Goes School Podcast. I'm Andrew Pissarro in here, as always, with the one, the only, Alex Moss. Special World Cup edition. Here we are, end of the group stages. We're going to talk about some of the biggest matches from the last day of group stages. We're going to talk about all of the upcoming matches in the knockout rounds. But first, Alex, my man, I got to recognize the elephant in the room. This is episode 100. The Tell- big 100. <laughs> yeah. Tell tell Drake we definitely kept it one hundred. We we didn't bring no weak sauce up in his studio, uh, but no, it's honestly like we were just talking about it before we started turning on the mics. Uh, we've come a long way. Uh, this thing literally started in my parents' basement, being recorded on an iPhone. Uh, now I'm in Brooklyn. You're back in Bethesda. I'm still filming. in my parents' basement. <laughs> yeah, but. We're still doing this thing. Uh, we've had some great people on over the hundred. I mean, technically hundred plus because you know all the World Cup stuff. Some of the some of the other things that we dove into, we didn't really qualify as a number. But one hundred episodes is something to be proud of. Uh, I want to recognize a couple people who have come on. Obviously, our man in the streets over in Russia, being Javier, one of our first ever guests on the podcast. Um, the ultimate guest. The ultimate. It's been guest. on more than anyone. I want to recognize uh, Nico Morales, who's uh, covered some Manchester City, some Premier League stuff with us, uh, now writing for the Athletic Soccer. Definitely recommend checking his stuff out. His he's Twitter's written some really good stuff for the uh, the Ringer also uh, during the World Cup. I think he's had like two pieces up there that I've like really enjoyed. He's fantastic. Great follow. Uh, I want to give a shout out to David Mossy, who joined me a couple weeks ago on the streets of New York. Uh, he writes for Fox. I uh, want to shout out Ryan Bailey, who's a freelance guy, does some stuff with Yahoo. Uh, he's written all over the place. Uh, he also was a host on the – or is a host on the Dirty Tackle podcast. Um, and, oh, Patrick Soul talked a little Milan with me over the summer last year. I'm shout sure he's to- very disappointed right about now. That was yeah. the high. He's now reached the low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no Europe for two years. Shout out to anybody who's following us on Twitter at Ghost Gold Pod, uh, at Instagram at Instagram on at Ghost Gold Pod at Instagram. <laughs> That's coming out of my long ass day. Uh, and uh, just thanks everybody who's listened along the whole way. Really appreciate it. But let's dig into it. Let's talk some soccer. Uh, wild week. Just one of the best weeks of soccer. Period. Two, four games on a day, on at the same time. We saw some wild shit this week. Argentina getting into the knockout stages, which I didn't think was going to come. We saw Senegal get knocked out today on fair play. We saw Germany not make it out of the group stages since like the since the fifties. Uh, no, it's the first time they haven't made it out of yeah. the initial uh, like group stages because the last time they went out during the first stage of the tournament was I think it was like you said the fifties, and it was to like Switzerland back yeah. then. And uh, it was like just a, a two-legged playoff or something like that. It wasn't a group stage. So th- that's an impressive record to break. It's uh, <laughs> Not not, not lo- when you want to break. I, I think so. I saw someone on Twitter the other day say something like, if you are under the age of 80 years old, you probably do not remember a time where Germany has been knocked out at the first stage of the World Cup. Like it's that, it's that, they're that big of mainstays in this competition where it's just death taxes and, oh, Germany. Germany's going to show up at the World Cup. It doesn't matter how they look in the, the friendlies before or how their team usually shapes up. They usually turn up for these tournaments and they just looked really, really just like they couldn't be asked over those three games. Like, how many of those games did you catch? I caught, I watched most of their last game. Uh, and I mean, the Sweden game, they had their moments, but they just, People they, underrated this group, right? Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, I was underrating Mexico, and I felt like a lot of people were under underrating Sweden, who were the team that obviously kept Holland out of a uh, playoff spot in European qualifying, and then they beat Italy to get into the tournament. Like, they're, they're a pretty good team, and people just kind of had them pegged as, oh, they won't get anything. And that South so, Korean team is no scrub either. Like, they have some players that you... They were unlucky, for sure, Yeah, in their first have, two games. Yeah, I I had South Korea in a there's a tournament that I'm in with uh with a bunch of people and I had South Korea as like a surprise pick because no one was picking them in the in the pot out of that they were in. You should and, have you should have gone for Japan. That was my well, one. We'll get to them obviously. Well, but the thing though that was, was my dark horse pick. South Korea was placed in like the lowest thing you could pick out of, like the lowest the like, lowest it pot. Was, yeah, so it was like them pot Iran. Four. Yeah. 
uh, well, for us, it was like a, they, they split it up in a weird way, but they were in oh, like okay. a bunch of garbage teams. It was like Panama, Costa Rica, like just teams that you knew weren't going to do anything. And it was like South Korea. It was like, all right, they might get a couple wins in the group stages. That's all. And it was six points. It was double points if they won a game in the group stage. So them beating Germany like did me good, but they were no scrubs at this tournament. So I just, um, I, I look at this German team. I'll ask you this. Yogi Lau, is he getting fired or are the Germans bringing him back? You, you can never rule it out. Um, just because no one would have thought they would hold on to him this long. Because technically he's been involved with German soccer since 2006. Since he, he was the, the assistant coach on Jurgen Klinsmann's team at the World Cup they hosted in 2006. So he was uh, credited as a very large part uh, tactically as to why that team like o- overperformed as much as they did getting to the semifinal. So he's... he's you'd think he would have like sort of burnt out by now. Maybe like that last World Cup win was... Yeah, the time for him to step down, and you'd think now was the time for him to step down, and uh, or not now. 2014 would have been the time for him to step down and let one of like the other millions of not millions, thousands of very good young coaches like in Germany come through and take over that the that program, or at least promote from within something like that, like they did before. But you could just see it was kind of stale at this World Cup. There wasn't the same off-ball movement. There was a lot more disjointed play from uh, the different phases of the game, from midfield to the forward lines. You didn't see many sort of fluid like passing moves between those two lines. It, it, you could kind of tell that it was it was off from the very first game, but just because they're Germany, you always figure like, oh, next game they'll turn it on. Oh, next game against South Korea, they'll turn it on. And it, it just never quite switched on. And I think that comes down more so to the players than to Yogi Lowe. But at the same time, like it definitely shows that he doesn't have the ability to motivate them in the same way he used to. Yeah, and I mean, there were guys on this this team, this German team, that have shown up at big tournaments plenty of times before. I mean, Tony Cruz was fantastic the last World Cup. He's been fantastic for Real Madrid the last three years. Thomas Muller has 10 World Cup goals to his name didn't get one this time. I mean, he scored five goals in the last two World Cups. Uh, everyone, Everyone's hot shot striker that they were looking at at this World Cup was Timo Werner after the past two seasons he's had at RB Leipzig. Let me tell you what, Timo Werner didn't go and get himself that potential 150 million pound bid that everyone thought would have come in this summer. Uh, Draxler didn't shine. Ozil didn't shine. You look at this team, the defense looked suspect. There are people, I know a couple of fans of Germany as a team who are like, well, Manuel Neuer isn't probably the guy anymore. I'm like, I don't think that's accurate. I still think he's, he's just top. coming back from an injury that's kept and, him out like a year. And right? I think, and that's what I said. I was like, I think what Germany, I think Neuer rushed himself back both for Bayern and an attempt for the Champions League. He didn't play for Bayern. He never ended up getting there. Yeah. But... Neuer was racing back for the World Cup. I don't think he got there healthy. And it's like, do you look at, if you're Germany, you have other options that are just, I mean, mate, fine. They're not Memo Neuer level, but I would rather take 100% of uh, some of their just, other goalies. Ter Stegen. Ter Stegen. Yeah, Ter Stegen's or, uh, the one that could step in seamlessly for Neuer. He could play the same role. Yeah, and it's like, I would have taken him at 100% over like an 80% Manuel Neuer. And on top of that, I mean, there's there's a lot of inklings out there that Jerome Boateng could get sold by Bayern this summer, and if Bayern's moving on from him, that means something's you know something's up with him. He gets the red card. Hummels gets hurt, which I mean, that one's been out there forever. Hummels always seems to get hurt at a at a time where it's inconvenient for whatever team he's playing for. But it just I don't know. Like you look at this roster, and it's not that different from the team that won in 2014. And we said the same thing about Spain, though, in 2010, was that the roster was similar. And it's like, what? These guys are still having success with their club teams. It just baffles me that it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't. They don't have success sometimes at an international level, especially off some of the seasons these guys just had. Well, when a success a successful team like the 2014 Germany goes through like a few noticeable drops in like key areas so they obviously since 2014 bastian schweinsteiger was retired from international duty he was relatively important to that 2014 team 
not not just for what he like meant to the system next to Cruz and Kadira, but just for his leadership alone. And when you think about leadership, also the captain of that side, Philip Lam, retired after that World Cup. Uh, those two positions, I think, they were looking for one of the younger players. Uh, I, I don't even mean like Timo Werner or Leroy Sané or like the really young players. I mean like the players who were young then, maybe like they were expecting... Mario Goetze, who obviously went through his own sort of uh, sickness like issues and things like that. They're expecting players like that and Ozil specifically and Muller to really step into leadership roles. And they haven't really done that. Like they, they've they've brought in like individually good young players to fill those those roles. And like Kimmich is a good as a good uh, replacement for Lam, probably just as good as as, as uh, Lam was at his age. Uh I mean, the, the thing is, though, with Kimmich, you never know what's going to happen with him positionally. He came in initially as a central mid, and, and Bayern could slide him back up into that role at some point. But, I mean, Kimmich has come out and said, it's like, I don't care where you play me. I just want to play. Right. And Lam was he, exactly the same. They would yeah. play Lam. At, uh, Pep Guardiola would play Lam at left Lam back in, in defensive midfield a lot of times. Exactly. Kimmich is the exact kind of uh, same role on that team. But... The fact is that these young players who came in to sort of partially fulfill those uh, veteran roles and the own down and their downfall of players like Kidira was a shell of himself. Yep. Ozil, you mentioned, shell of himself. Cruz, not his usual uh, 100%, like everything, every decision he makes is perfect, like he is for Real. But, you know, he's, I don't think his fall off was as steep, but he's not performed at the level he was expected to. He got roasted on Twitter. It, it was a it was a whole like perfect or for Germans imperfect confluence of events that just sort of combined with the malaise of having to come back and defend the title, which we've seen is already difficult. They just weren't able to overcome it and get things clicking as a team for what turned out to be a very difficult group. All right, well, let's talk about a team that actually stepped up in a moment where it counted and a team that none of us expected, and that's Argentina. They get a 2-1 victory over Nigeria, Lionel Messi with an absolute beautiful goal. And you'll watch the goal. If you just watch him kick the ball in the net, you say, all right, that's not that great. But to see that overhead pass, for him to catch it on his thigh, the way that he controls it with his thigh and then with his foot and then finishes with his weak foot. And then finishes with his weak foot that early in the game. I mean – we talk about him being one of the best players of all time, and it's like he made that look so easy. But I like if you like, go try that. Go try to catch the ball like that. It's <laughs> with your hands. Never mind your uh, your <laughs> yeah, your thigh. Exactly. Like it was the thigh touch that was like the most perfect touch. It just it turned a very driven direct ball from Everbenega just cushioned it perfectly and then obviously his feet could do the rest it was was a perfect finish victor moses with the penalty kick and then uh the very impressive (laughs) which uh, sorry by the way victor moses i stood or sat at my desk watching him about to take a penalty and i was just like i am a chelsea fan and i have never seen this man take a penalty this could be awful (laughs) I (laughs) i was just kind of expecting it to be terrible and he just slotted it calmly into the opposite corner i was just like victor moses good on you great Great Victor Moses. But and then, as you're about to mention, it was to no avail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Marcus Rojo equalizer. On his weak foot. On a volley. <laughs> on a from, very good cross from uh, Mercado, the right back, who is yeah. well known to be a horrible crosser of the ball. <laughs> Just plays a dime right into a, a left-footed defender who has to take it on his right, and he scores. It was destiny. Yeah, and well, honestly, though, if you haven't seen the memes that came out about Diego Maradona, (laughs) Diego Maradona was... It's it's one of those moments in sports, and I mean all sports here, where you're watching something on live television, and you think to yourself, as soon as you see something, like the instant you see it, you just think, oh, that's a meme. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, that's it. Everyone's going to be talking about that. giving the double bird after Argentina scoring and getting on national television, like, not national... Worldwide television, right, is one of the greatest. One of the greatest soccer moments in the history of the game. Like you've got 
Johan Cruyff creating the turn. You've got like every you know, James Rodriguez's insane goal from the last World Cup. You've got Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring from about 40 yards out on a bicycle kick against England when he scores four goals against them. And then you've got Diego Maradona going full double bird on, on during the World Cup when Argentina come out of nowhere. That was Maradona. Just the the clips of Maradona throughout this game were amazing, uh, and I, I'm happy. That are, I did pick Argentina to lose this game, but I'm happy that they're moving on. I don't think that they have a shot in their next game. Oh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll get to we'll it. Talk we'll talk about it. it. We'll talk about it. But and and I said this. I said I think I said this in the last pod. I'm picking against Argentina, which is probably the dumbest thing anyone could do because Messi can perform in that magical moment. And while yes, he didn't score the equalizing goal, so can N'Golo. <laughs> yeah, he gra- like. You saw the, the 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 just the shots of him talking to this Argentinian team, and and you have to say that if Messi doesn't put that early goal in, there's no way that they win that game. Like not just on a scoreline, but just on a, like a setting the tone for the team type of moment. Uh, I'm still not buying Argentina, but let's jump to today's action, and that unfortunately saw a team I was really heavy on, which was Senegal. Go out to Colombia. They lose one nothing. Mina with the goal in the seventy fourth minute. I, I did watch some of this game kind of out of the corner of my eye. I didn't get to see every action. I know that there was an insane tackle from uh, Davidson Sanchez. Right? Yeah, on on Sadio Mane and the tackle of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm so really, far at least, <laughs> I'm really disappointed for Senegal, and this is like the first time we've seen it that so Senegal and Japan were tied or Colombia were tied on yellow cards or were they tied on goal differential so it went to yellow cards okay let me, let me present they, that okay they started the day Japan were on top with four points and fewer yellow cards than Senegal had Senegal were also on four points and Colombia were just below the two of them out of the qualifying places with three points Colombia just had to beat Senegal and they were in or they had to like they had to hope. tie and they, Poland they had, would win. They, yeah, they would have to hope that Poland beat Japan, which of course they did. But that game was heavily influenced by Japan sort of acknowledging the result of the other game, the Colombia-Senegal game. And they showed the heat map of the final like 10-15 minutes once Colombia had went ahead in the other match. Japan had the ball in like their own half, just passing it between their center backs for the last 10 minutes. It was just, they never crossed the midfield line and Poland just sat back and let them and like... They just sort of played out the game. It was kind of ridiculous and kind of like, uh, kind of ironic seeing as they went through eventually on fair play. (laughs) And that was kind of like bullshit, (laughs) uh, kind of not very fair, like sportsmanlike. Uh, so I, that was kind of, that, that was kind of surreal. But at the end of the day, if you're Senegal, you just have to think we tie this match against Colombia, a good team, but you know, they didn't have James Rodriguez. He went off injured in the 30th minute or something. Senegal are perfectly capable of equalizing that game and that they weren't able to. And that's why they didn't go through the next round. Well, they, they didn't, yeah, they didn't get the result they needed today, but also they didn't get the result they needed against Japan. They should have, right. They had the lead. They had the lead twice in the game against Japan and, and And they couldn't close it out. Like, I don't, this whole idea of we went out on yellow cards is bullshit. I mean, it is, but also like you had the chances and you blew them. And when you, it just, it sucks because I was I am so, like I enjoy watching Senegal play and there's a lot of players I like watching on that team and it, yeah it sucks but the reality is like you just they didn't capitalize their chances if you don't capitalize your chances you don't go on. Uh, what I will say what I will say about Japan though like I did have them picked to come out of this group and like I can't sorry what I will say about Senegal is that. Would I rather see uh, Belgium play Senegal in like the knockout round instead of Japan? As a fan, I probably would. That's a more intriguing game to me Absolutely. for sure. So I completely understand the sentiment of not only Senegal fans, but like probably a lot of Liverpool fans and fans of other teams that just sort of look at Senegal and they're obviously, as we've said many times, they're a FIFA team. They're a FIFA team, they're, like favorite. They're a hipster team. <laughs> they're the fucking hipster team. I mean, they have like, players from like Liverpool and Monaco and Napoli. They're not a hipster but, team. Like, they no, have but good okay, players. hold on, hold on. Those are their best players. But then you look at the rest of it. And it's like, oh, like Adrisa Gay is very good. Like from Everton, look, right? 
yeah, like you look like I'm just saying, yeah, like like a lot of people know these players, pieces, not just hipsters. They're, they're best people. Well, yeah, but like how? Yeah, a lot of people know Sadio Mane, but how many of them know that he's from Senegal? How many of these people like Kaita Balde's at Monaco, uh, and clue like. He's probably uh, still kind of hipster status. A lot of people probably don't know about yeah, him. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you and I know him, but we're fucking hardos, man. Like, oh, yeah, like, hardos, man. <laughs> Yo, bro, I actually, I have a podcast. I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been overusing the shit out of the word hardo over the better part of the past six weeks. I don't know how it got into my vocabulary, <laughs> but it, I, I've become a hardo about saying hardo. I, uh, I I went through the same phase with the word uh, quasi. I would use it oh, a lot. Oh, quasi is a phenomenal <laughs> I'm word. like, you know, it's kind of like a quasi like mix between, and like my brother and sister would just be like, Alex shut the hell up stop but saying while we're, quasi while, while we're briefly talking about verbiage i just want to pour out a little liquor for the term lit because it officially died today oh uh, with donald trump jr yes yeah, yeah it's dead it's dead whether you're conservative or republican this is like when your dad says lit for the first time and it is no longer cool like this is when you this is the equivalent of grandparents showing up on facebook like i'm fucking done it's I, i'm out i'm not using this anymore i'm gonna occasionally share a meme and i'm gonna respond to someone's drinking event that it's a private event that no one can see that is all i'm using facebook for let's move on uh you want to you want to start looking at at some of these knockout rounds we got we got some fun matches ahead of us yeah sure let's go for it uh all right javier sent me his picks because he wants in on this so uh respect the hustle we're uh we're gonna include him he 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 says sorry he didn't he couldn't send a uh a uh recording this week or an update but you know peru won their final game they didn't leave the tournament with their heads hanging so uh i'm sure at the end of the day it's going to be a memorable experience for him regardless of peru's final result at the tournament uh, hey they got a great win i'm really i'm really pumped that they they took points in the two beautiful ago. goals too by the way if you haven't seen yeah. the goals from that andre carrillo and uh, paulo guerrero the striker who was obviously sus- uh probably going to be suspended for the tournament came came in and Eventually got his goal. I was happy for him. All right, let's start. We're gonna start on the. Uh, we're gonna go. Do you want to go in order? Or do you want to go in across I put them, the bracket? I, I put them in order of uh, time. When they will take place. Yeah, chronological right, order. So let, let's stick with that. Or do you want to we'll, talk we'll, generally about like the bracket, like first, and then we'll launch into our picks? Yeah. All right. So he, I'll read off the bracket. This is on the left side of the bracket. You've got Uruguay taking on Portugal. France taking on Argentina. The winner of those two matches will play. You've got Brazil taking on Mexico and Belgium taking on Japan. Again, the winner of those two matches will play. We the, then, death, the death half. That's yes. like, it's the, the half of death. I mean, there's still plenty of decent teams on the right side. So you've got yeah, Spain. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. You've got Spain taking on Russia, Croatia taking on Denmark, Sweden taking on Switzerland, which is a wild matchup. Colombia taking on England. Let's start with the first match, which is going to be none other than Saturday morning at 10 a.m., France taking on Argentina. Now, while we have seen Argentina underperform at this tournament, the, no one is talking about the French right now. They've gotten the results that they've needed, but they haven't necessarily looked convincing. And that makes leads me to believe that Argentina has the possibility of taking this to overtime. And then anything's possible. Yeah, I, I'm with you in regards to I don't buy the sort of dismissal of Argentina that's sort of come as a result of them uh, having that sort of surprise qualification. I hate this cliche, but they still have Lionel Messi. And while France have looked pretty stout defensively, and I will be picking France mainly because of N'Golo Kante's great tournament that he's been having so far. I think he's been their best player by far. I don't think think it's even a debate. Um, He played well over two legs for Chelsea against Barcelona. He did a very good job. Not always being able to get the ball off Messi. That's that's impossible. He'll always be able to shake his way out of something. But N'Golo Kante did the best job of any defensive midfielder next to Michael Essien that I've ever seen against Lionel Messi. And... Having Pogba and likely Matuidi also in that midfield, while Argentina are just kind of, you know, they're rolling out a lot of very individualistic players in that same area. And Mascherano's passed it 
Benega doesn't look really look right apart from that ball he played to Messi for the goal against Nigeria. It's it's it looks like there's a recipe for disaster for Argentina, but I at the same time I could absolutely see Lionel Messi just running at who's who's uh France's left back again, Hernandez. Is, uh, yeah, is, forget which that, Hernandez it is. is it it's the one Lucas at, or at, Atletico, I believe. Right, I think it's Lucas Hernandez. He's he's a good player, but Lionel Messi he's, and yeah. Likely, uh, I can't remember if they they're, they're going to be including Aguero or not this weekend. But it's going to be the same team that started against Nigeria, other than uh, Perez in in midfield, and which is probably for the best. So I give Argentina a slight chance. I, I think it will end up being like two one France in regular time. I think like France go up two nil off the counter attack and sort of shut up shop defensively from there and. Messi or someone nicks a goal back, but I have France, and I think uh, Javier also has France. I also have France, but I'm going to go three two. I think we're going to get a little bit of a shootout. And I just I just looked up the French national team. It is Lucas Hernandez who plays at Atletico Madrid. So I mean, he does have a, at least some level of experience taking on uh, Lionel Messi. But I just think that defensively, they're not going to be able to handle Griezmann and Mbappe. And whoever they start else up there with him, whether it's Giroud, whether it's Dembele, like, or even if Thomas Lamar sneaks in there, I think that French unit has every single thing that they need to hit Argentina with. That Argentinian defense is weak sauce. And I will say though, they they have only scored three goals at this tournament, and one of those was a penalty by Griezmann in the first game. So I just they're not exactly this, lighting the world on fire right now. I think this is the game where they know they have to step up and they do it. So I think they'll double their scores here, but we'll see. Then we go to Uruguay, Portugal. Uh, this is a, this is an interesting match here. Uh, Cue the got, Spider-Man pointing at each other meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got a defense that is well experienced in taking on one Cristiano Ronaldo, Diego Godin, and uh, you've got Jimenez. Jimenez. Both from Atletico Madrid. Uh, you've got a very experienced front line going up against a Portugal defense that has conceded goals. Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani have got to be licking their lips looking at this Portuguese back line. Oh, Pepe and uh, Jose Font? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like both of them have had success against the others. Uh, and then the other thing that we need to bring up is the fact that Uruguay finally got a big result against Russia. Uh, the midfield was very good in that game. They kind of go to they went to a different formation, but also, I think this Uruguay this Uruguay midfield we've talked about it before. I mean, if we want to talk about hipster things, the Uruguay midfield is the definition of hipster, like hipsters. Uh, you right, really I'm with only, you on that one. <laughs> you really only know that midfield if you have done a deep dive into some of these players. Because I mean, Torreira, who's on his way to Arsenal, though, has had a very good Serie A career. And I think while I'm a big fan of the Portuguese midfield, I think this is where they slack. And I think that Uruguay is going to play them really hard and they're going to push them around. And I don't think that Portugal is going to be able to handle it. Ideally, I also don't think that defensively uh, Portugal will be able to keep Uruguay out. And I, I have more faith in Godin against Godin and uh, Jimenez against Cristiano than I do with Pepe and Fonch against Luis Suarez and Cavani. Uh, but I think this one could be also another shootout and I'm just hoping for good games at this point. Um, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Uruguay and I'm going to go with Uruguay's in penalties. I think that's honestly probably the most realistic outcome. Uh, maybe not a nil-nil draw, but I could absolutely see a one-one draw going to penalties. And at that point, it's a crapshoot. Like who hit, who makes their penalties and who who misses theirs. And it's uh, it's relatively easy to to favor Portugal in that scenario because they have done it before. You know, just two years ago with the Euros, they've uh, been able to progress in tight, defensive, scrappy matches, probably against lesser opposition than they'll come up against now with Uruguay. Um, but it's going to be interesting because on paper, I would probably agree with you uh, in terms of just matching up the players one, one v one. You'd probably favor Uruguay. 
But the interesting wrinkle in this match is that both teams want to sit deep and play defensively and counterattack on one another. Now, when you get both teams doing that, like who's who's going to want to hold on to the ball? Uh, it's difficult to decide who will. I, I, I tend to lean with, with you on Uruguay. Um, I don't think it's going to be high scoring, though. I'm going to say 2-1 Uruguay. I have 2-2 two, two in Uruguay and penalties. Javier didn't send me score predictions, but he uh, he just told me Uruguay. All right, let's go to Spain-Russia. This is the first match on Sunday, and I think this one's going to be ugly. Uh, you really thi- think so? I was going to go the opposite way. You think uh, it could be tight? I don't. I don't. I think I think Spain's going to chew, Spain, chew Russia up and spit them out. I think that... While, yes, they conceded goals against Morocco, I don't think they played with 100% focus. And I think that Spain have a shot of turning it on. Um, actually, I, I, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I don't think it's going to be uh, – I don't think it's going to be ugly. I don't necessarily think it will be tight. I think they'll win by one goal, but they'll still win comfortably, if that makes sense. Where it's like – you mean just in terms of their control of the game? Yeah, like, yeah. They'll. I, I'm going to take Russia two. I'm going to take Spain two one, but I think Spain control the pace of the game. I think Russia struggles to really kind of get on the ball, and I feel like Russia is going to struggle to kind of settle in. And I mean, while yes, Russia are the quote unquote, they're the hosts. You're going up against Spain, who if they want to can get, just keep the ball for seventy percent of the match, and I think that they'll get their goals. Uh, I think just technically Spain's going to be too much for Russia to handle. Um, if there was an upset, though, that I was going to pick in the round, I feel like that would have to be the one. Um, but I'm going to go with Spain, 2-1. I think it's ultimately ultimately going to be 3-1 Spain, but I think it's going to be a close 3-1, probably more along the lines of what you just described. But I don't count Russia out of this one. If Russia get an early goal... They've shown that they can be pretty formidable at this World Cup. I, obviously, yes, against lesser opposition and like Saudi Arabia and Egypt. But they, they've shown if they can get early goals, that the confidence that goes throughout the rest of the team and the, the the bodies they get forward without really surrendering too much defensively, they they can be a pretty fearsome like team to defend against. They they, they can just through sheer like force of will and num- throwing numbers forward, and obviously. Uh, having players like Golovin, who's supposedly about to sign for Chelsea, I just heard today. <laughs> Random Wait. signing announcement: <laughs> Alexander Golovin, the 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 center the center midfielder from uh, CSK Moscow, who's been playing well for them. Supposedly Chelsea are about to get him and Rugani. That's yeah. Those are two random rumors I'll throw out there. Uh, <laughs> but him and obviously Cheryshev has played very well. Zuba's played very well off the bench, and Smolov has kind of yet to get going, but. There's a scenario here where they, they really test Spain. I, I think ultimately, even if they get that one goal lead, I think Spain are going to be able enough, especially with Diego Costa bossing that back line of Russia's. I think Spain will win this 3-1. What's Javier got for me? He has Spain also. We're all, we're all for the most part, we've all picked the same, which is... Yeah, it changes up a little bit lower down the bracket where the, the matchups get a little bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Croatia, Denmark, Sunday, two in the afternoon. Um, I actually think this could be a decent game. Um, I'm going to go with Croatia. I, I just, I'm riding that as long as I can. I think we all are, which is incredibly boring. But Denmark were a team that I considered picking as like the upset pick. And come to think of it, like I don't really have an upset pick. Other, like the only upset pick I really have is a team that's technically the first place finisher of the two teams. So they shouldn't be the upset pick, but we'll get to them in a second. Yeah, um, I think I know who you're talking about. So Croatia and Denmark, I could absolutely see a scenario where Denmark just shut up shop, play really well defensively, score a lucky goal off a uh, set piece and win this 1-0. Croatia also have the DNA to just sort of fall apart in these situations where they're supposed to win. I, talked I don't about disagree that. with that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't disagree with that. I, I also think... You're right. I think Denmark has the the capability to try to play something on the counter and nick a 1-0 result. And I also think Denmark might be able to ride it out for 120 minutes and get it to penalties. I, especially against this And then they have Casper Schmeichel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, anything, I mean, yeah. Uh, 
I'm still going to go with Croatia. I'm going to go 2-0 Croatia. Um, I think, look, just the way that Luka Modric and everybody has played for Croatia, I think that they're, I think that they're going to give, I mean, I think they're going to, they're already have performed well. And I think they're going to continue to perform well in this match. And I I just don't think that Denmark's really going to be able to stop them at the, uh, at the end of the day. So it sounds like we all have Croatia going through. Yeah. Uh, what I So what question I'll throw to you, just in case we don't get to record uh, before then, is if we all are kind of in agreement that Spain and Croatia are going to be coming out of these two fixtures, they'll be playing each other. Do you think Croatia is a team that has a chance to maybe upset the order of things and maybe even beat Spain and get to the semifinal? I do. <laughs> You're doing it. You're buying. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm drinking the Croatia Kool-Aid. He's on I mean, it. I, I mean, for God's sakes, my grandma was a Karsich. Like, I got to. Like, I got I, like, I don't have the States. I don't have Italy. Like, I got to push my chips to the center of the table. You know, when when you've, when you've hit it hot on Blackjack the last couple of times, you got to let that shit ride, man. I've never been to Vegas, but everybody knows that. Dude, like, I, the thing is, I agree with you. It's not outlandish. Spain, as you said earlier, have apart from the first game where you just kind of felt bad for them for succumbing to the wrath of Cristiano Ronaldo, like they, they played pretty well in that game. They just hadn't been able to break down tightly packed defenses since then. And maybe you think that favors them in the matchup with Croatia, who will probably be pretty open and looking to control the ball themselves. But also let's look at this Croatia roster. Like this isn't a team of scrubs. Most of these guys the roster's not in doubt. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the systems that they play. There's sometimes where they they've been at their best basically playing Modric as the number ten, and there's yeah. been some games where they've dropped him off in the midfield and done a midfield two with him and Rakitic, and he just doesn't work. It's not it's not a good pairing. They need someone like Brozovic or uh, Badel, which is like the defensive midfielder they've brought along from I think Fiorentina. He's uh, yeah, he's a player. He's I've used him. In scored, season. he's good. Scored in their last game, but like obviously he's more in there to be like the defensive sitting deep kind of option. They need a player like that in there with Rakitic and let Modric run around forward and work his ass off like he does so much for Real Madrid, but this time in more advanced, dangerous areas. So yeah, Croatia is definitely a realistic option to sort of upset things at uh, this tournament. All right, all right, we're making a ghost goal declaration. Croatia, semi-finalists. If Croatia make it to the semi-finalists, I'm buying, I'm finally buying my Luka Modric Croatia jersey. Probably from like a Chinese website oh, for $50. The, are you going to do the red and white checkered one? Or the blue Bro. with the red and white checker on the sleeves? I love them both so much. Dude, they're so like, nice. They're, they're incredible. Like, so good. They're so good. Uh, I'd probably go with the red and white because it's yeah. just... It, it's it uh it's a, it, it catches a, a room <laughs> yeah it's a look uh let's go to brazil mexico monday morning 10 a.m this is gonna be a heater this isn't this is you gotta feel for uh mexico even though they did dig themselves kind of into this hole they got a shot man no they wow. don't they do not have a shot don't do this we've been here before what did we say in our previews? The last eight tournaments or something like that, maybe six, I can't remember the number. The last six tournaments they have lost in the round of 16. And those games are always against the powers of world soccer. It's always against Argentina, Germany, Brazil. Yeah, it always happens to them. And it's going to happen not, again I'm to, not gonna, like, on Sunday. I'm not Sunday. saying I'm picking Mexico. I'm not picking Mexico. I'm still going to pick Brazil. Like, I picked okay. Brazil to win the whole tournament. But I'm do, just saying. Do you think they have as much of a chance as the last team we talked about, uh, Denmark, has against, like, Croatia? Because I don't think so. The golf in class is just way too big between these two teams. Um, Bigger I than even do, Mexico and Germany. I have, I thought the reason I'm going to say yes is because we haven't seen Brazil hit peak Brazil yet. If we kind of did against Serbia. At times, yes. That was probably one of the better performances of, like, the pre-tournament favorites so far. Yeah. France, Spain. I'll give you that. Not all, Germany, obviously. None of those teams have had as good of performances as that. But we threw out a poll this week on Twitter. Your boy, Coutinho. Yeah. I I mean, I've said it on this podcast, and I'll say it again. Philip Coutinho has hurt me more than any woman ever could. (laughs) I mean, for God's sake. Javier. 
fucking good. Javier keeps peddling this hot take of his that he said from the moment Coutinho left for Barcelona. He always like reaffirms. He's like, Liverpool will be better without Philippe Coutinho. And he's not necessarily wrong because obviously you guys did go on to have a great run in the Champions League and everything. Like Javier was really hot on it then. But Coutinho, ever since he started turning it on at the end of the season for Barcelona, I just keep being like, dude, Coutinho is a actually a world-class player. He is yeah, he's a, one of the I 10 did. or 5 best center midfielders in the world, and he can play out in the wing. He's just, he's just playing dangerous. He's so good. He had an he had a great assist in in the match. Right to Paulinho on his uh, late run forward. Yeah, like one of the reasons I picked Brazil was because Neymar had a better cast around him in this last in this World Cup than he did in the last. And so far, and he himself Neymar, is better. <laughs> Neymar hasn't stepped up at all. I think Roberto Firmino. Oh no! In this tournament, sure. But I think yeah. pre-tournament, you you thought to yourself, Neymar is better now than he was four years ago. Oh yeah, that's not that's, the conversation. That's, no, that's yeah. another. That's just another factor. I think not right. to add to the supporting cast. Right, but the 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 guy, the other, you know, the five other between midfielders and forwards that are around him are way better than the guy than the five that were around him at the last tournament. So that's fact. And it, I'm worried more about Neymar than I am about like Neymar hasn't really gone on and had that moment yet, and that's. You know, usually Brazil goes as far as Neymar carries them, and it, it hasn't been that way yet. I, I am going to take Brazil. I, I do think that Brazil are going to – Mexico are going to have to open up a little bit at some point in this game. Right. And I think that's where Brazil are going to catch them. Um, I think Brazil will get to an early lead. Maybe not early, but Brazil will take the lead first, and then Mexico will open up. Brazil maybe hit them for one, maybe two more, and then maybe Mexico sneak one back. But I think we're going to – look back on this match and say this is a very good Mexican team. They did a good job against one of the tournament favorites. But at the end of the day, I, I was always going to take Brazil here. And I think Brazil would have an easier time if they pick if they start Firmino. I just don't think that they will, but I don't think that Gabriel Jesus has shown to be the best option along that forward line. Um, what I will like, say about the Firmino option is I tend to agree with sort of like the general narrative that's being peddled by a lot of people of Firmino isn't in the team because he obviously likes to drop in to, uh, to a little bit of deeper areas and that he usually likes to drop into the same areas that Neymar is dropping into. And on this Brazil team, Neymar rules all like what he's, what he wants to do, he's going to get. <laughs> so uh, you need a center forward that can occupy defenders a little bit more, push further up the field and, Unless Firmino's ready to take on more of a role like that, which he's not really familiar like with, then I, I don't think you're going to see that happen. I think it's going to keep being Gabriel Jesus, and I would, I would, I would keep Jesus too because he's a player who can go on a scoring drought, but he can just as easily switch it on, score two in a game, and then just be red hot and on it for the for the rest of the tournament. So uh, I think it's I think you need to see improvements from Willian, and you need to see a healthy Marcelo because obviously he came off injured in that last game against Serbia. It was revealed later that that he's okay just via social media, but I do kind of tend to err on the side of caution with injuries like, uh, like that. I can't remember what exactly it was, but I just kind of like, if you leave a, leave a game that's a must win game in the world cup, it's probably something significant. So hopefully he's at 100%. And I, I think it's a tight game and Brazil ultimately wins one nil, just from a moment of pure brilliance from whether it's Coutinho or Neymar. I, I, I'm sure it will come so, at some point. I'm going two nil Brazil. Okay, Javier has Brazil too. All right, Belgium Japan. Uh, I think I think Japan's going to give Belgium all they've got, but I think with Belgium being able to rest some of their key players going into their match today against England, which can I just say was an absolute disgusting thing that they did to us today i think i, I think that. the rule of thumb generally with groups like this and groups like the spain portugal group where there's two distinct favorites who are everyone knows are getting out of the group and there's two garbage teams everyone just kind of has to agree that the match between the two best teams can't be the last match <laughs> it has yeah. to be the first match because then we get spain portugal the 3-3 three, three amazing game where both teams felt like they needed to get forward and push and score goals and win the first game 
But when you see England and Belgium come up against each other with six points, it just kind of turned into a, oh, God, do we have to win <laughs> kind of game. Like, Belgium are... They still face a tough task, uh, task with uh, Japan because Japan, uh, as I mentioned in the previews, are a confident attacking team that like their fair share of the ball. They have a lot of veteran players and they play a pretty solid possession-based uh, 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. And they have a couple of players that are really in form right now. I think this is going to be a high-scoring, probably one of the better matches in the, in the round of 16. I think it's going to be 4-2 Belgium. Do you think this has any chance to be like the last Belgium game in the round of 16? Uh, the game against the USA. That one yeah. was 2-1 or 3-1? Uh, it ended up being 2-1 after extra time. I thought it was 3-1. I thought Lukaku grabbed two in extra time. Maybe I'm misremembering, but whatever. Um, Japan have served me well over this tournament. I've enjoyed watching them play, even though it was kind of a... Uh, skin of their neck kind of uh way to get into the round of 16 i'm, I'm proud that my dark horse pick came through there uh, sweden being like my other sort of like underdog pick but i think for japan this is where it ends i don't see i don't see defensively how they keep out hazard and uh and lukaku and javier frankly agrees with me he has belgium too i mean i'm taking belgium like i'm gonna take them three uh three one and okay. give uh japan something but Belgium this can be one, got at defensively. Yeah. This next one is a total coin flip for me. Sweden, Switzerland, Tuesday at 10 a.m. I have no idea who to pick in this game. Because at times I've been impressed by both teams, and at times I've been completely disappointed by both teams. So, like, I'm very... Pick Switzerland. Do it. Because I'm picking Sweden. <laughs> I mean, that's I should do that because all the hot-in-the-street rumors are that Liverpool are going to sign uh, Shakiri for £12 million the second that this whole tournament is over. So, I mean, yeah, I want to do that, but there are some guys I like on this Serbia or this. Uh, there's some guys that I like on the Swedish, the Sweden team, um, but yeah, I, I am a little bit more inclined to pick Switzerland. I think I think they're a little bit more complete than Sweden. Uh, while yes, Sweden has some some nice pieces, I, I think that Switzerland have a little bit more World Cup experience. I think they have guys who know what it takes to step up. They stepped up in the matches that they had to, and they got some good results. Not to say that Sweden didn't, but this Swiss team is a good team, and and if Shakiri shows up and gets the the opportunity to be on the ball as much as he wants, Switzerland's going to win this game, and I'm going to take Switzerland one uh, one nothing in overtime. I have Sweden one nothing, regular time. I think it's a boring game. Switzerland yeah. see most of the ball, and Sweden sit deep like they have so many times, uh, not only in this competition but during qualifying. Sweden, I think, are probably the most adept at this tactic outside of the tournament favorites, outside of like Uruguay, Portugal, uh, France, those kind of teams that really like to play defensively. Hell, even Brazil sometimes can really throw men behind the ball and defend really well. Sweden are lacking all of that talent, but they're well-drilled. They have adequate players, as we've seen in uh, in during their World Cup qualifying and World Cup journey. I like them to win 1-0. I, Switzerland have been a thorn in my side since the beginning of this tournament because my main question with them was, will they be able to score goals consistently enough? And they've answered unequivocally yes <laughs> by scoring, obviously, against Brazil and then uh, beating Serbia and then scoring twice against uh, Costa Rica. Switzerland... If they continue to get that kind of production from Shakiri, who has had one of his best tournaments, I think, we've ever seen from him, uh, then, yeah, they're certainly a dangerous outfit. And I, I think both of these teams are probably thinking to themselves, we could sneak into the semifinals here. I don't think either of these teams are, are very scared of either Colombia or England. They probably think they can both do the sort of sit-deep-and-counter, defend-tightly uh, kind of job on Colombia and England that they can nick a goal and get through the semifinals. So they'll both be really, really confident in their ability to win this game and perhaps do something that their countries haven't seen in a long, long time. Uh, but I'll, ha I'll have Sweden 1-0. Uh, Javier has Switzerland, but he hasn't provided a uh, scoreline. All right, we go to the last one. Colombia takes on England. This is first. tasty. This is going to be good. 
And I said this, I was having conversations at work for a long time today about what England should do going into this Belgium game. And I was of the believer that they should have gone out swinging against Belgium. Because England, in my mind, is a good team. There's some good pieces on this team. But a lot of those pieces are confidence pieces. Yes, Harry Kane scored a lot of goals, but Harry Kane historically has gone dry at times. Jordan Henderson can be a really solid midfielder when he's on his day. There's a lot of guys on this team that you say, this is a really good guy on his day. And I think for England, going out and beating Belgium, they would have looked around and said, this is this is the Golden Age Belgium team. This is, you know, the fifth or sixth favorite at the World Cup. We just beat them. Well, I mean, it was, it was their backups today. That's... I don't care. It's just... No, but come on. Like, Hazard, Lukaku, De Bruyne, uh, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, none of their best, best players actually played. That's fair. I think you need to take encouragement, if you're England, more so from the fact that you probably have an easier uh, round of 16 matchup. Like, Japan, objectively, is a better round of of 16 matchup than Colombia. And then, honestly, like, England aren't going to win the World Cup. They should have played for the right to get to play Brazil in that quarterfinal. Because that's that's a game you want to be involved in. That's yeah. what the World Cup... Like Gary Lineker said earlier today, and I'll admit he's my influencer saying this. I just It really resonated with me. That's what the World Cup is about. Yeah, sure, you get your one knockout round game against uh, Japan that you should probably win. It would probably be an entertaining game. But then you get to play Brazil in the World Cup. You get to face off with Neymar and Coutinho and all of these great players. It would have been... Would have been fun to watch, but instead, obviously, England are playing against Colombia. It watch which will probably, I think, is going to be one of the dirtiest games of the World Cup. I think this is going to have the most yellow cards. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, I agree with that, and I'm taking Colombia. Uh, whether or not James Rodriguez plays, I think Colombia have enough flair to unsettle England, and I don't. And well, yeah, I think England can score, and I think they will score. I think while this is going to be dirty, there's going to be yellow cards, but I also think that there's going to be some wild moments in this game. And if there is one team that is going to get fucked on VAR, it's going to be England. It just is. Like, just on, like, a political sense that this tournament is happening in Russia, if one team was going to get fucked on (laughs) VAR right now, it was always going to be England. Like, they didn't even have to be playing the Russians. I, I think this is the game. And, uh... I think England are going to walk away from this game saying we could have done more. And I think Colombia is just going to have that magical moment. I'm so high on Colombia after their last two performances. They were really good <laughs> against That's, Poland. Sorry, there's, they, a, there's a joke to be had about I'm so high on <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> I cannot believe I said that and did not realize. the like I said that without even thinking what I was saying. Uh, but yeah, I'm high on Colombia, and right, I haven't Pablo even done Escobar. any cocaine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think Colombia can do it. I, I think that they're fine. Their back line might not be as, as well-known as England's, but England's isn't anything that I'm writing home about. I, I think goalkeeping-wise, they're about even. I think Falcao just... I, I think Harry Kane scores in this game. What's your I, prediction? I, score prediction. 3-2, uh, Colombia. Okay, so yeah, I mean, kind of along the same lines of what you were talking about. I think I'm picking Colombia, but Javier is picking England, so I'll argue the England side. Like I, guess, I could argue for, him. for England all day, I right? Just... I, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna do it. And I think if you're England, you just have to. Your goal in this game is to play well, score at least once or twice, score a couple goals, and. Make sure you get out of this game without any sort of humongous blunder that causes the entire country to uh, zero in on one player as as the uh, the goat. And I don't mean like the uh, the scapegoat. I don't mean like the greatest of all time. I mean the goat. It's happened many a time before to England players. You can see Rob Green in 2010 uh, for the goal he let in against uh, the USA. You can see David Beckham in 1998 for the getting sent off against Argentina in the quarterfinals in France. It's they have a long tradition of ruining or threatening young players, young promising players' careers. So you just hope that someone like Sterling, or maybe maybe not, maybe you hope that Sterling does something stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just hope that some I mean, of these young players don't. The kid. 
you just hope some of these young players don't come out of this as like a bad experience. You want to keep it as a good experience. You're playing at the World Cup. There's yeah, not very high you expectations on this moment. team. Yeah, no, you just uh, what, what's the Gascoigne moment? The the crying? The what are you talking about? Yeah, just the, the knowing that he would miss the semifinal. Oh, right. No, he, knowing he would miss the final. That was back in 1990 yeah. when he got a, a, a yellow card in the semifinal against Germany. Yeah, um, yeah you want to get out of this with a positive experience and so you can build off of this for the next World Cup if you're England. Uh, I have Colombia. I think Hamas will be fine. Uh, I think Quintero was good enough to take down. Quintero is good enough. Luis Muriel doesn't look amazing, but he hasn't really played enough in this tournament, so he's kind of uh, been thrown into the thrown into cold water here. Uh, but I'm I sure think Quintero has something to prove against the English media. He was trash at Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say it. He was absolute garbage at Chelsea. He's fine. He's far more right. suited to the Italian league. I don't think he's a bad player either. It just it's probably it's just not the right league for him. Um, but yeah, I I have Colombia. I uh, any sort of wide open game like this is going to be where Colombia probably have like slightly more quality on the ball. Uh, than England, and it's very close in terms of like on paper, but I think Colombia just edged it for me all over the field. Uh, I like Colombia to win. Did you, what was your score line? You had 3 2. I'll take, yeah. I'll take 3 1 Colombia. And Javier has, he has England. I don't know what his score line was, but I, I will say he's been I'm a believer a, a of this England dis- team. Good, good for him. <laughs> I, I will say I'm a little disappointed in us for like not Maybe. having it. Basically the same thing. We haven't discussed this at all, but this is just actually why this is actually why we're gonna have Portugal Argentina in the next round. Like because well, okay, we, yeah. we didn't even I mean, talk about that, but like but that is especially in a tournament where the favorites haven't really showed up and we still are yeah. picking shock. I, I can I can see the frustration. Maybe I need to go back and review these and maybe like revise my picks or something. But you know, I, I'm pretty I'm comfortable with these to. I'm pretty comfortable with these picks and in the World Cup, maybe you could see one team that's really sort of like what we could classify as like a Cinderella get to like a semifinal, maybe. And by that, I mean maybe like Croatia. You, like you, at the yeah. end of the day, you still have to have quality, and you have to be able to take your chances in the moments that matter. And you have to have I a think if bit Croatia get to the semifinal, they're going all the way. No, I, I can't see them beating like France or uh, no. Brazil I just mean to the final. The final. Oh, okay. I just mean the final. go all the way means they win the damn thing. Come on. <laughs> all right, that's fair. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, one. Who, who's your favorite? Let's reassess um, the favorite right now. I, like, it's st- I'm still standing by Brazil, but I think I think there's a better chance of a Brazil Croatia final right now than I thought when the tournament started. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, the the, the final people probably want to see. It's probably Brazil, Spain, yeah. So, which obviously works against Croatia, but that's like the dream finale for a what's been a dream World Cup so far. But I hate to flip my pick. I've done it. I've done it once already. I, I flipped from Spain to Brazil, but I'm flipping back to Europe. I think France is going to win the whole thing. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Why is wow. that so wow? I, I I'm just I don't think it's that hipsterish. I, I, I am think... I'm an apostle at the Church of Ngolo. All yeah, hail our Lord Ngolo, the defensive <laughs> master. He 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 creates entire championship winning teams. He did it at Leicester, he did it at Chelsea. He was still great this season, even on a bad Chelsea team. The p- talent he has around him in France, but them playing a defensive mindset. I think France figure it out and they win the whole thing. I think they knock out Brazil in the semifinal. That's I you like that. that <laughs> it's different. It's How different. about them I mean, apples? Uh, I just want to say one last thing before we uh, before we sign off. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet today uh, with Wayne Rooney's arrival at DC United. I am I need to take my DC United scarf off my wall, and my MLS allegiance is officially. For sale. I got five <laughs> tweets today about this. I shit you not. You're a garbage had... American soccer fan. You just flip allegiance uh, to a different team wherever the wind blows. Okay. Stick with them. 
Wayne Rooney played at Everton and Manchester United. There was no way I'm ever rooting for Wayne Rooney. I mean, he only played for like two ever. years. You're just that's just, fine. I'm just selling my it. for two years. It's two years. I'm not. I'm not gonna root for DC United. Uh, I had one person slide into my DMs and offer me New York City FC and my CFC tickets. I had the PR guy from uh, Real Salt Lake who uh, told me that I have many friends in Utah and I'm a huge fan of their head coach who gave one of arguably one of the greatest soccer post-game press conferences ever, the pass these out tray, the, right. <laughs> the, the one of an all-time moment. Uh I had one friend try to tell me Philadelphia Union. I had one friend tell me because he went to Ohio State that I should root for the Columbus crew, provided that they stay in Columbus. Hashtag save the crew. Hashtag save the crew. So I'm just saying the first person that like sends me a scarf, the first person that... Uh, I'm sending you a Chelsea scarf. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're a Chelsea fan now. Throw that little uh, bowl of away. <laughs> Uh, first person that sends me an MLS scarf jersey tickets to a game. We'll, Andrew, we'll do you understand? Do you understand we'll that talk. if VAR had existed 15 years ago, we wouldn't have a name for our podcast because the ghost goal never oh, would have happened, shot. and Chelsea would have won the Champions never League that happened. year. We would have two more Champions League trophies from 2008 that. when Barcelona knocked us out at the bridge, and that Tom Henning Everbo never gave any penalties from the game. We would have we would have so many more trophies. We'd be like. Would be an absolute dynasty. That's my rant for the day. I'll, I'll stop. But yeah, Andrew's <laughs> right. MLS fan is right. up for up for sale. Send him a scarf. Yeah, send me a scarf. I'll put it on the wall. I promise. All right, that wraps it up for us. Before I go and cleanse my soul to brace myself for Scorpions by Drake. So uh, have a good week. <laughs> Thank you for listening. At oh, Andrew that Pissarro, out at, yeah, it does. At Andrew Pissarro, at asmoss ninety two at Ghost Gold Pod. All accounts: Twitter, Instagram. Hit us there. Get our get our dank memes of. Diego Maradona giving double birds. It's all over our instant. Or, well, not our instant, but it's all over the Twitter. Just go follow and rate us on iTunes. Help us out. Help a brother out. Uh, I'm Andrew. He's Alex. Thank you.